Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another episode of Pit Stop Fracker. I'm your host, Mahad, and we are here to review another wonderful race at Monaco. Um, bit of a sleeper, but we're here to excite, give some exciting talk, and always the qualifying was exciting as well. I'm, point, I'm joined by Anik and Richard. Uh, Anik, how are we doing? You're in the hot seat now. I'm in the hot seat, bro. I'm in the hot seat. I'm ready. I'm ready. How are you doing? You're ready. Your, your boy wasn't ready for the race, though. But I'm all good. I'm all good. <laughs> uh, Richard, how are we doing? I'm not too bad, but I'm not too bad. Um, it's quite a funny weekend, us two um, joining forces, and usually we're against each other, aren't we? I was going to dunk you on, um, you know, Flasco winning the league this, this Saturday, but I thought, you know what? Let me let me, let me allow it in it because we're joining up on Max and we're trying to dunk on Le- Leclerc. So I say I'm on a gas casino where I use. thought, you know what? I pay my respects. I, I won't. I won't dunk on you with the Barcelona crew talk. So, yeah, other than that, I'm not too bad. Wear, I'm not too bad. You wear an Atletico jacket though. Yeah, Is come on, editor, you get me? Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's violation. That's violation. <laughs> to the listeners, this guy is. I have to sit here now for 50 minutes or whatever with Atletico in my face, and I'm a Barcelona fan. If you didn't know, um, so yeah, he's on my side, but he's not really on my side. Um, firstly, before we get started, let me just plug all the socials. Follow us at Pit Stop Fracker. We've got you all covered. All the F1 news that you need. Banter, the lot. We've got it, so follow it. And uh, for the YouTube, really help us out if you like and subscribe to this video. Um, leave your comments. We'd love to hear your comments. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the race and everything that ha- happened on this weekend. So please give that uh, a review. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please leave a five-star review. That helps us. That helps us with all the algorithms and stuff like that. So be really, really useful and helpful if you did that. But yeah, thank you. And we'll get started firstly with the best part of Monaco, because the race never ever does anything usually, is qualifying. And firstly, qualifying was exciting as usual. A lot of people were putting their hopes on Ferrari because they were so, so fast in free practice. And I don't know where that pace came from. Um, might because they admitted uh, we're doing flexi wings as well, like Red Bull, and they got the speed. And uh, we saw what they were about. But, Anik, how, how is Ferrari this fast out of nowhere? What's going on? Uh, I, I have no idea. They just started lighting it up on Thursday. And I was like, what's going on here? I think science was putting in quick laps. So was Leclerc. I was, I was really, honestly, I was watching it and I was thinking, there's no way that, that this team is sandbagging. Like, you can't, you can't sandbag or you can't sort of cover up your true pace at Monaco because if the other, sorry, for the other teams to be covering up their pace, so like the Mercs and Red Bulls, they can't be covering up their pace at Monaco because you literally have no room to 
put in that extra power or that extra speed that you have. So to me, it seemed genuine um, from Ferrari. And then, you know, seeing it on Thursday, I was, I was really surprised, but I was, it was quite refreshing to see that, look, there's another team now, um, especially for this weekend, that's going to be, you know, battling what on paper was Mercedes and Red Bull for the win. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was quite refreshing to see, to be honest. Yeah, for, for a very, very long time, it's just been like a two-horse race, whether it would be Mercedes and Red Bull or Mercedes and Ferrari from before, back in 2019. Um, it's good to see a third team in the mix. Um, I would hope it was McLaren, but it's Ferrari this weekend. So it's always good to... Who says Ferrari... Uh, who said uh, Formula One is just a one-team race? We've mixed it up this week. We had how many t- different teams um, in qualif- Q- Q3? It's seven different teams. Seven different teams. Seven different teams. So, yes, it's hotting up. The even playing field's happening. Um, Mercedes, not a good weekend overall. If if you are listening to this and you saw the papers, you saw the results, it's not good. Um, But in qualifying, Bottas managed to get get on P3. But Hamilton, reigning world champion, seven time world champion, just seemed completely off the pace. Richard, what happened to Hamilton this weekend? Um, yeah, when I watched practice on um, Thursday and whatnot, I I didn't really have the impression that the makes for sandbagging. Um, it looked like something was completely off, especially when you see like you know Hamilton was like a good five, six, maybe even seven times off the lead. I just thought no, there's, there's no way that like you know they're trying to hide something. So when it came to quality, and I was still seeing the same thing, and even Bottas, even out doing Hamilton, I just knew it was. It's more or less like a confidence issue, or maybe the setup of the car wasn't right for Lewis. You know, he he just wasn't on it, and I didn't think it would turn out to be, you know, a good weekend for them. You know, obviously, but the Ferraris, the yeah, the Ferraris were on it. Like fair, fair play to them. You know, Leclerc and Sainz were going back to back. Like it was, you know, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. But they were, they were looking good. But the mix, yeah, they were they were looking like the third, sometimes even fourth best team in the grid. People were hoping, you know. He might do like a single ball 2018 where he'd be absolutely nowhere for like the whole of practice and then Q1, Q2, then put out, pull out the back Q3. But I just didn't get that impression at all. I just thought, you know, it's just going to be one of those weekends. Like, to be fair, Lewis has never really been that strong at Monaco anyway. Like, it's just been one of those things. Even like his his last two wins there, you could even say, you know, just some bit of fortunateness. Of him getting them, but you know, it's just yeah, but Bottas, you know, you know, rose up quite a fair bit to be fair. He managed to qualify Q3, I mean, sorry, P3, sorry. Um, and yeah, he just managed to get extract more confidence within the car rather than Lewis did. I did, I did re- come across um, an article title saying that the the makes let down, um, Mercedes let down Lewis this weekend in terms of the setup with the car. I don't know if he wanted to try something different, and then Lewis was kind of going against it, and then he was just like, oh, "Okay, I'll just rock with it." And then it's almost like I told you so moment. So yeah, the mix it was just a horrible weekend for the mix, really. So hopefully, you know, it's going to be one to forget. Yeah, definitely one to forget for Hamilton. Um, usually, very, very, very strong qualifying, no matter what the race is, but. Yeah, um, Monaco doesn't seem to agree with him. And if it was, I did hear there was rumours as well that there was a disagreement on strategy on how to approach Monaco um, with Lewis and Mercedes. And you can hear there's a bit of tension growing between the two. But um, yeah, it just didn't really work out for Hamilton this weekend. But he still managed to get into Q3. A lot of um, your old favourites were in Q3, like Vettel and so on. The little... little uh, Remontada from him that we'll speak about later. But we'll talk about the Q3 and what went down in Monaco between Max and Charles. And these guys were going back to back on each other in terms of speed. These guys were putting in purple sectors every five seconds on that lap and they were pushing it to the limit. Anik, what what did you think of between the battle between Max and Charles? And even Sands getting involved in Q3. Oh, I was loving it, bro, to be honest with you. I think right from Q1, when Alonso got dumped out, I was like, yes, it's going to be an exciting rest of qualifying here. Um, but yeah, it, I just think, like, I just want to touch quickly on Hamilton as well. I just I just didn't see him lighting it up in Q3 and Q2 either. But then I, I genuinely thought it was going to be a Singapore 2018 from him. Just literally just pull it out of the bag, obviously. 
it didn't materialise that way. But um, yeah, coming back to Charles and Max, I, I think these two were literally just playing hell for leather in Q1, Q2, Q3. And as you said, it was purple, purple, purple. Obviously, Leclerc was very shrewd, I'm going to say, in getting in that banker first lap in Q3. I think it was, what, 110, which was, for me, I, I consider that a very good lap because I don't think anyone's ever got into the 109s in qualifying. Correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think anyone's ever done that at this track. So I think it was like a 110 So I was like, okay, that's a good, very, very good lap. I know that is, you know, potential pole. Um, but then I think on Verstappen's first run, he didn't, he wasn't able to hook it up, right? I think he locked up. I think that's what Martin Bundle said. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he said he locked yeah, he it up. Yeah, locks up. Yeah, and then he got a one ten five ish. Yeah, yes, something like that. Um, but then when I saw Science put it on, th- put put it P three in in the first round, I was like, okay, yeah, like the Ferraris are really really quick here, and there's a genuine chance that on the second run, Science will be able to challenge for the front row, and Max might be in a bit of trouble here. Obviously, Bottas ended up P3, which I thought was, was was quite a good lap from him, to be honest with you. Um, and then, obviously, you know, there's some question marks about the the second run, um, obviously with with Leclerc crashing out. But, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think you know, there's a bit of like different schools of thought on this about Q3 and how you approach it, whether you put in your best lap on the first round or put it on the second round when you got left fuel and so on. Um, people that were criticizing uh, Verstappen saying, Oh, you should have done it. Oh, look, we've got Kunle, he's entered the studio. Welcome, Kunle. Oh, hey, we'll guys. leave it for a second, let him, let him log on. Oh, hello, hello. Uh, so yeah, if we're talking about how you approach Q3 and what you should be doing, should you go for first or just leave it to leave it for your last, last run? I think a lot of the people that were there, Carlos Sainz, Valtteri Bottas, Verstappen, were maybe holding back a little bit to put it onto their, put their best, best performance on that last lap. But like you just alluded to, there was an incident, controversial incident, flashes of um, Michael Schumacher 2006, um, where um, Charles Leclerc crashed it into the wall on turn 16. Um, it's quite hilarious when you hear all the radios from all the teams when that happened. Um, especially from um, Carlos Sainz, Bottas and Verstappen when that happened, when they were building up to do their lap or actually on their fast lap. And I want to kind of come to you, Richard, on this one. I know this is going to be a little bit of a debate. Do you think Charles Leclerc did that on purpose? Was that a Ferrari plan C, plan C in his ear? Plan crash? Um, To myself, I've got a strong um, agenda against that, you know, Casino Royale use, as we like to call them. Well, some of us do. Um, but I think it's too risky for you to crash, just lock off the session in Q3 and risk, you know, a gearbox change and end up P6, to be fair. Um, I think it's just, you know, he was pushing too hard. He's managed to turn in almost too early. You know, he's clipped the barrier and then he's went crashed in into the other barrier. And then, you know, he's conveniently locked off the session. That's That's what I think it basically is. You know, um, you know, as I said, like it'll be it'll be way too risky, you know, to try and do that on purpose, you know, to risk, you know, having a five uh, five place good penalty. But you know, the funny thing was with Ferrari as well, because I think him um, the TV had a similar sort of crash in I think practice, and we I couldn't find any out any news if Latifi had to do a gear um, gearbox change. I don't I don't think he had to, but. The thing no, is as well so. is that, group, yeah. The thing is as well is that for I uh, I read up that I mean I, I seen something that one of the one of the problems was uh, I think uh, was it the, was it called uh, not the gear shaft or what is it the, the crankshaft sort of yeah the left was yeah the, wasn't the drive yes shaft? Yeah. yeah that's the drive shaft so, yeah the drive shaft um, on the left hand side was basically a bit dodgy and they did not check that yesterday so they just thought nothing of it. That's why when he did his uh, more warm-up lap today, that's when Charles noticed there was a problem because Ferrari didn't even check that um, left draft shaft, hence why he had to go out. 
So it's a lot of, you know, incompetence. It's, you know, it's just... I mean, yeah, child Ch child did crash out on his own accord, but the thing with Ferrari is that, okay, if your driver makes a mistake, you're meant to, like, you know, help him out. You're meant to back him. So you trying to go, you know, all or not on, basically being like, oh, you know, I think, you know, the, ge the gearbox is fine. Um, we're still going to be on pole. We're going to be fine. Rather than to check the rest of the car to see if there's other issue, you've then not only fucked him up on pole, the guy can't even race at home. He's he's there in his motorhome, you know, on Netflix or, you know, whatever, or watching a race, you know, like depressed. Like the guy is already, the last four um, times he's been to Monaco, he's DNF'd. Like that's even including an F2. And, you know, this is probably the worst thing of the war. He hasn't even had much start the race just because Ferrari felt, you know, too arrogant to really check how damaged the car really was. So, as much as I want to put it all on Shaw, I think Ferrari should throw equal blame as to what necessarily happened to today, really. So I think on that, I just I just want to come back to like the incident itself. Okay, so as I said, it was it was a 10, 110 I'm looking at. And I think that was a decent banker lap. Now, at that point where he crashes, he's crashing towards the end of the lap, as you said, turn 16. Look, I don't want to start no conspiracies here or nothing, but he, I'm sure, would have got information that the other guys that were behind him were on hot laps. And you can tell that from the from the radio reactions that we got. They were obviously pissed off. Like, Bottas was pissed off. Science was pissed off. Verstappen, like, you know, his head went through the roof. I'm not saying that he crashed on purpose and these guys are driving, you know, come on, th this circuit is literally like the ultimate driving test. Like you can't have, you know, five to 10 centimeters margin of error. But if you look at the way he turned in, like he did turn in a bit early into that corner. I'm not saying that it was deliberate. Maybe he was pushing too hard, but I think you just got to kind of consider the situation you're in at the moment. I'm sure he must have known that the other guys were on purple, purple. I don't know if at that point he was on setting his best time. All I know is that he crashed out. But I feel as though he did turn in a bit too early into that corner. Um, and yeah, look, whether he meant it or not, I don't, I don't want to say. But I feel as though that I feel as though he would have known how fast the other guys were. And yeah, to be honest, I'm just going to sit on the fence. I mean, I don't. I don't know if it was purposeful or not. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Know. Okay, okay, okay. I'm I'm gonna say that I'm gonna stick my neck out and say that he done it on purpose. Only because, well, only, because only because only because he must have known that those guys were on quick laps. And you can tell from their reaction as well. But, but that's that that lap he was on. I'll say this the lap he was on was not faster than the lap he already did. Exactly. Well, there you go. I'm I'm not I don't so, I don't want to sound like yeah. It's, uh, you know, he 100% done it on purpose, but he would have got that information. And look at look at how early he turns in. Like, okay, it's a risk, man. It's a risk. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a huge risk. I know it's a huge risk, but obviously, when you turn in on that corner, you jump over the curb and you go straight into the to the armco. That it's happened. Um, and 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 as Richard said, his team didn't cover them themselves in glory because. It seemed like whether it was intentional or not, it was a masterstroke because he was starting from the front. But look, man, he gave his team a drop. I mean, yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, that. to be fair, I feel like um, even if with the the draft shaft, even if there wasn't a problem, I felt like that gearbox was definitely sort of up with it, and they were trying to mask it. I just had a feeling it would be the case of like you could only go as high as up to four for something. And he'd have to just like chill there and somehow hold off Max, sort of thing. So I, def I definitely think there was another problem. Ferrari just didn't want to, because he knew if he dropped him back, like the likelihood of him getting a podium at least would have been difficult. They'd have to try some sort of like undercut. And you know, Ferrari sometimes are pretty shit on strategy. So I think they were just going to be like, oh, if you can, you know, if you have to skip gears or whatever, you know, what one of the problems would have been apart from changing it, just do that. But you know, it's just, yeah, it's just for Ravi just being incompetent, you know, as as they like to be sometimes and just trying to go, you know, all or not on. And look, this just resulted in not on. I mean, science did get, you know, a P2, but that was as a result of, you know, Leclerc not starting. And, 
Mercedes pick crew being shite as usual. So, yeah, it's kind of mixed yeah. bag, really. Uh, this is the history of the Ferrari, man. We've seen this a lot of times with their mechanics being lax with checks and so on. Especially, um, I think, um, back in Vettel season in 2017, 2016, just, just, I think one was about spark plugs, I think, I think wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was just going to touch on that. Like, so obviously, the yeah, back end of 2017, they, you know, the, the, the Ferraris have a history of not helping their drivers, especially on the run up to the grid. In Malaysia 2017, I remember Raikkonen had a problem um, getting to the grid. I think he qualified P2 and then he had to start from the pit lane. Patel in that same race weekend had to start from the back of the grid. And the very next race in Japan, they had a spark plug issue. They didn't check the spark plug for Vettel. And this guy was lacking so much speed at such a high power circuit like Japan. They're, they're, they're two examples that just roll off, uh, you know, just off the, off the top of my head where they've had issues getting to the grid. Like, come on, man. It's like a simple MOT, man. Check your car before you get to the grid. Make sure everything's working fine. Like, I would have expected a bit more from Ferrari. When you when, when you consider the, the close shave they had with the gearbox, they were in a fine, fine position, you know, to go on and win the race, as, as, as we saw what, what, what Max done. When, when you're at the head of the queue, you know, it, it's, it's like a foregone conclusion. <sighs> Look, I don't, I don't know whether... I, I don't know what's happening there. I would have expected a bit more from Ferrari, though, in checking over the kind and helping out Leclerc. Um, <laughs> He had, he had done his job, you know, sticking it on pole. Um, whether 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 that crash is intentional or not remains to be seen. But I really think they they should have helped him out a bit more. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Kunle the decided vote on if that crash was intentional or not. I know we've got Richard saying no, it was an accident. Anik, you're saying it might be a bit dodgy. Kunle, what do you think? Um, can you guys hear me, Kunle? Firstly, yeah, we can hear you. Um, I think it was. I think it was too much of a risk to be on purpose. Like, you don't crash your car a day to race day, you know, with the risk of your gearbox and your chassis being a complete mess just so you can get pole position. Considering you've not, considering you've not even finished that race in the past, you know, Whatever result he had gotten, if he had started the race, whatever result he had gotten, I'm sure he would have taken it, regardless of where he finished, as long as it finished. So I don't think I don't think he did that on purpose to like keep the pole position or anything like that. So I think it, I think I find I find it weird that people think he did it on purpose. If he had caused a yellow flag, then yeah, that would have been on purpose. Maybe if he had if he had gone wide, if he had done a Rosberg where, you know, he locked up into a corner and he just went wide and then yellow flags came out and no one is able to, like, improve in the third sector, you know. You go wide and then try to reverse on the track. Then that's on purpose. You don't crash your car on purpose. You know, it's a Formula 1 car. You're what? risking your life in that car. Like, you know, he could he could have hurt himself. I don't think you would crash your car to hurt yourself or you crash your car to have damages on purpose. I think he was pushing... And he might have just pushed too hard. I don't think he crashed that car on purpose. But he himself wasn't lighting it up, though. And he, I'm sure he would have known that the, the guys behind him were lighting it up. Look, it's your home Grand Prix. I don't think, I, I don't think he intended to damage the car as much as possible. But he, Look, you know, he might have just, you know, looked to break the steering arm or something, or just take out Look, a wheel. But... Look, everyone says the guys behind were lighting it up. My thing is, they can go purple, purple, yellow, and still not be pole. You know, we've seen we've seen way too many Q3s where people were going purple, purple, and then the last sector was a mess, or it was green, green, and then the last sector was a purple, and again pole. But so, but you know, no, but you I don't know that. Look, yeah, you, yeah but you, you know like that if you start right on pole, you. you you're sounding like you're running an agenda right now. That's no, no, no. I'm not. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. No, 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 no. Because no, no. Because 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 Leclerc's my guy. I got a lot of time for him. I'm just saying that, like, look, it's his home Grand Prix. You know that if you're at the head of the grid, when lights go out, there's a very good chance you're going to win. I'm I'm sure I read it somewhere that Verstappen was two, three tenths up. 
and I'm yeah, sure Musk, science was up I as well. And even Bottas was like they like they all knew they all the, knew that if they could just see that yes. lap pattern, that Leclerc would have probably been fourth or fifth. Look, Anik, everybody was up. I think everybody was up, but I still think practically, excuse me, if I'm a driver, if I'm driving a Formula One car where I know the slightest of crashes could possibly put my life in danger, I'm not being in my car in purpose. I'm not saying I'm not saying he intentionally put in his life in danger. I'm saying that you think he just tried to lock off the session. If we try to lock off the session, I feel like there are better places to lock off the session and not crash in the car. Like again, maybe it just doesn't have to lock off Monaco, but I don't think I don't think it did. No, I mean everyone everyone would have their takes. I'm sure there will be a lot of there were there've been a lot of takes since yesterday. But if if would would I think it would lock off the session just so it doesn't start the race, considering what's at stake? Like there's a lot at stake here. Like. Yes, it's 25 points, but it's not like he's fighting for the championship or anything like that. All he's just going to do is get a handshake from the king. And there's no passes this year, so it's not like he's going to go turn up. So really, like, it's just it's just a home win. That's what it's just going to be for him if he had started on board. So I don't think he would have locked off. I don't think he did that on purpose. That's just me. I, again, I'm not Charles. I don't know what's on his mind, but I don't think he did that on purpose. Regardless, the curse continues for Charles in um, Monaco. Three DNFs in a row, even including the FC1, that's four DNFs. It's, it's not looking good for him in these own races. Um, he stuck it on pole, so eight pole, but only two wins. But well, I'll talk about that another time, about his conversion rate of poles, because it's not looking too good at mm. all. You, you, he's um, yet to get a, a legal win or a legal pole, really. I mean, he, 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 has, yeah. he has he has doubled the amount of polls that Max has, by the way. I just thought, uh, I mean, but you know, was that legal though? So, you know, that was legal. Uh, you sure? uh, polls, he still got polls. Okay, okay, okay. You can say that I, when you're dropping a second on Bottas, yeah, you can't over like the space of four weeks. You can't tell me that ain't sauce. Like, we can berate Bottas all we want. Like, if you're dropping a second on Bottas, that's when you know there's red flags need to come out. Do you know what I mean? That, no, that, I'm sorry, but no. That's just two sources. What, what? The numbers and, are there. I know, I know you're... Anik, I know you're putting a lot of stock in polls and so on, but yeah, he's got more polls than Max, but Max has got 12 wins out of four polls. All, all legal. Like, his, his win was gifted. All legal, all legal wins. His, all his legit. win was gifted. Yeah, his win yeah, was it was, it was gifted to him. It was gifted to him today because we know about how Monaco works. If you're, if you're, if you're on poll, you usually convert that. Unless there's a, a fuck up in strategy, we'll talk about the fuck ups in strategy because there was a lot going on today. Um, but yeah, uh, Leclerc had to get removed from P1. It was just basically an empty P1 slot because he could not start. And uh, Max Verstappen headed into Sandovot. Um, not a really good start, but he covered the space from Bottas behind him and managed to get away. And that was the end of Max Verstappen in this race. He was gone, long gone. I know Sainz was. Uh, um, catching up with him a little bit later on into the race, but it seemed like a easy, easy one for him. But we'll talk about what happened actually during the race now with what happened with Mercedes. So, yes, um, Valtteri Bottas started off second. There was a lot going on in the Mercedes strategy camp and tyre issues. And it was not a good look for just Mercedes on the whole today about how, how they conducted themselves in terms of their plans. Firstly, uh, they decided to pit Lewis Hamilton very, very, very early, which doesn't really make sense. He was in P... I think he started in P7 and was looking for the... Uh, P6, actually, because Leclerc wasn't starting. So, And he was looking to try to maybe do an undercut. I don't know if an undercut actually works on this track. There's always an overcut. So um, there was the first mistake there. And then there was the famed Bottas pit stop that we saw. Um, I'm going to come to you, um, Richard, on that. What did you think of Bottas's pit stop? Well, I, I was on Discord Live when it happened, and I just thought, you know, oh, it's just a simple error, like there's something wrong with the, the wheel gone or whatever, whatever. And then I seen, you know, they were still trying to get the wheel off, and I just thought, 
um, what's going on here? Like, why can't they get the wheel off? And I had, like, I think what I think it was either Brundle or Crofty saying that they seen like a um, metal fly off, like a uh, bit of metal fly off of the um, the wheel nut onto the floor. So once that happens, how can the wheel go and attach the wheel nut to take the wheel off? You know, the thing's done. Because once the um, pit stop guy put his hands up and say, look, it's done, I just knew, yeah, the, it's race over. It's race over. So this is not, you know, you know Mercedes starting to get a bit form with this, really, because, you know, we've seen this in Secure. We've seen this in, um, I don't know, all the recent races we've seen, stuff like this. But it's starting to pick up a bit of form where they're just fucking over the drivers, really, on their pit stops. You know, when you compare this to somewhere like Red Bull, who are, like, constantly flawless, like, you know, it's it's steady weird. I think Mercedes needs to, you know, instead of letting Red Bull, you know, busting open for Red Bull, taking all their, you know, chief engineers and, you know, all stuff like that. You know, they've already, they've already officially taken six, so I've already taken 20 and offered another 80 as well. You know, often double, triple the salary. But, you know, some people are a bit, you know, you know, patriotic to Mercedes for some reason. And others are a bit lower, like, oh, yeah, I can get, you know, triple my salary if I go 30 miles up the road and whatever, whatever. I think they need to start taking some Rebels pit stop cars because if they keep on doing this, it's just it's just embarrassing, really. Like, they, if they if Red Bull are putting pressure on the, in the um, constructors, you know, you can't be, you know, failing to take off a fucking wheel nut to change a tyre. Like, that's just, you know, you know, 80, 15 points gone, what Bottas would have given you. And, you yeah, know, with Lewis, you couldn't get the stress please. Yeah. That, that, that's it. He had, you know, he had a podium in the bag basically, and that's just points just gone because you know you can't take a your right rear. I mean, your right front off. So, yeah, it was just it was just embarrassing, really, honestly. Yeah, I, you mentioned that there's been a bit of problems since the kit with this pit stop crew <laughs> and how they're operating. It's not really looking that good at this moment in time with how they're operating. We've seen slow pit stops all year as well with Hamilton and Bottas, and it's cost them a bit and I'm saying Hamilton's carrying this team sometimes just because of these little mistakes here and now I, think, I don't know whether it's complacency whether they're looking at a job over Red Bull they're like oh so I've just had an offer in my email inbox I don't know what's going on but we've kind of seen the excellence I know there's a lot of criticism of Red Bull but when it comes to pit stops these guys are excellent they're doing sub two seconds every single time so there's no mistakes there and they're not going to make that the reason why they, they lose a race um, Anik what did you think of Mercedes today? Strategy, tyres, pit stops, the lot. Just, just everything. It was just a complete disaster from Mercedes. And 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 as as we alluded to on on the tweet, they've had a shocker since Sakir. Like it's Sakir that they, they messed up the tyres completely. They even even in previous races, even in the last race, they they messed about with the strategy, and it was Lewis that saved them face. The same thing happened in Bahrain, first race of the season. It was Lewis that saved face for them. These guys are like not doing well at all. And, you know, to show that you're, you're world champions, you should need to start moving like, like you are. Um, I think um, with Lewis's um, strategy call, I think that was completely, completely nonsensical. Like they said before the race that we're going to try something different with him. You bring him in early when the overcut is quite clearly the better strategy. To, to give your driver, it was shocking. You know, they, they brought in three, they brought in three places down, coming coming to Bottas's pit stop. Like, like you, you, you know, Mercedes on the YouTube channel have, have, have a, a whole video dedicated to the job that the wheel nut guy does. Literally a whole two minute video dedicated to a guy. Did they watch the own video? On, putting on and putting on. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even watch their own video. Is 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 actually laughable to be honest with you. And if they were somehow able to take that wheel off and put it back on, so sorry, and put the new one on, then Lewis would have been down in ninth. Like if that was a straight routine pit stop for Bottas, Lewis would have been down in ninth. So from him, I think you said he was fifth when they came into the pit when he came into the pit stops. Uh, who um, um, Lewis Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, I think Lewis Hamilton was six. Six. Yeah, he would have yeah. six. He he, he was the first person to pit. Yeah, he was the first person to pit. So if, if Bottas's pit stop was routine, after Lewis would have been down in ninth. That is embarrassing for world champions. You cannot pull off a strategy like that. Like this is not a track we can overtake. Like it just did not make sense to me. 
Lewis is one of the best drivers on the grid. He is more than capable of making those tyres last. Someone somewhere must have said to call him in early. Even even I think he was surprised on the radio. He was you know quite clearly here that you know he he was upset with with ever with with whatever had happened there in that round of pit stops. I think all round it was a stinker from Mercedes this weekend. And yeah, looking ahead to Baku, which is definitely a power heavy circuit, my favourite circuit on the calendar. Um, I'm expecting much better things from them. It's Honestly, funny as well. When you think about it. Oh, sorry, Richard. Go ahead. Go ahead, Richard. No, sorry, just to um, tap in. Um, it's funny as well because the I seen on the F1 app, there was an 11-minute video of how they did their strategy in Spain. I see like the conversations going on in the background and whatnot, and it was very fascinating to see how they managed to pull that off. When you see the contrast of how they pulled off the master stroke, master stroke in Spain compared to Monaco, you think it was different guys? Like, it doesn't make any any sense. Like, how can you fuck it up? Like, okay, Lewis has a bad quality. Cool. So you think, oh, okay, you, you, do, you do the overcourt, you know, try to get him to, like, fifth or fourth or whatever. How is it that you want to bring him in so early and then you've messed him up and then you've messed up Bottas as well and just turns to a big, big shit show? So it's but just a bit... Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to chime in here, Richard. Like, you can watch that video and they put out all these strategic videos once the race is done and it makes it look as though, you know, they've got, you know, Einstein's behind them that's, you know, running the show for them. Coming back to Barcelona, yeah, he was 1.8 seconds behind Verstappen and Verstappen straight away had a four and a half second pit stop. It seemed logical to bring in Hamilton there and cover it off because he would have he would have performed the undercut perfectly. But, mm. uh, sorry, he would have performed the overcut perfectly. But I just sometimes just don't get how, how this team works. I think even Kunle said it on the last pod. They try and be too clever. They feel as though they have, you know, a big head. They try and, you know, act too complacent sometimes. Move like Guardiola. Guardiola in the panel, yeah. Yeah, man. Overthinking it. Is that goes. But are, are you are you alluding to the fact that maybe Lewis Hamilton is covering up all these mistakes and all these strategy stuff just by his excellence? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Because he would have only Lewis would have been able to pull off hit that. What I I, mean, I even called it the Lewis Hamilton strategy back in Barcelona. Only Lewis Hamilton could have charged down Verstappen at what 1.2 seconds a lap and overtake him come the end of the race. I genuinely feel as though other drivers such as Bottas or yeah, or Bottas. Or I, I don't even know if Rosberg would have been able to do that. Like I only think Hamilton's the only sort of guy that could actually pull that off for Mercedes. Again, to save face, like they haven't been moving like world champions since the start of the year, and they need to fuck their ideas up, honestly, if, if, if they want to win this, because Red Bull are definitely there or thereabouts. For, for our listeners, I just wanted to break down what happened with Lewis Hamilton in terms of overcut and undercut, in case you just didn't understand what was going on. Lewis Hamilton was pitted on lap 29, and he was behind Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly lapped, uh, pitted in lap 30, and when um, Pierre Gasly came out, he was in front of Lewis Hamilton. That's how bad this strategy is. He, he, Lewis Hamilton was on the radio saying, why am I still behind this guy? What was the p- purpose of this, this undercut that we were trying to do? We didn't even achieve what we needed to achieve. They put him on hard, so he thought, let me go a bit slower, and so on and so on, and it didn't work. And then the lap after that, when Vettel pitted, he came out in front of both of them. And all Hamilton can do is see these two flying off in the distance having a little battle. It's, it's, it's actually disastrous strategy. Disastrous strategy. Disastrous uh, directing as well. Let me just call out the director on that because we never even got to saw that. I had to see that after the race, what happened, because I didn't get to see Vettel overtaking Gasly, which was a bit of a, a bit of a yeah. finger from the director. I am... Um, because I, I know someone who, who works with an F1, he told me that um, for Monaco, it wasn't the usual F1 directors. It was the, It's the French that um, took over. That's why they fucked up, you know, Showing the, basically the only overtake of the race because it wasn't the usual guys taking it over. It was the French. So I don't know why they did that. But yeah, that's that's the reason for the fucker, basically, because it was different broadcasters taking over for this race. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a stinker, to be fair. But yeah, including in that, we're going we're gonna move on to the Vettel Roman well, time. Wait, hold on. Before you move on... To oh, Conley, you want to jump in? Go, go on. Yeah, before you move on to that, that strategy was so bad that Perez, who wasn't even anywhere close to Hamilton, jumped Hamilton. Like, that was how bad that strategy was. Like, 
so so the 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 radio was I why did you make me save my tires to pull me in first? Which makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. Honestly, and then it doesn't make sense. To 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 not put back on the fact that they went on a quality strategy that he didn't want to go on, which sort of messed up the Saturday. Just like you've messed up Saturday. Okay, make it make up for it on Sunday. It's like, nah, bruh, we're gonna mess up your Sunday too. And I was like, personally, I don't like the Grand Prix. I don't like my goal, but it just made me even, it just made it even worse. It's like, why am I even watching on my screen? Like, why am I watching these guys moving like GP2 or F2 or whatever they call these days? Why are they moving like F2 race? strategist like why are you doing schoolboy stupid stupid and this is not mercedes's first time they'd be doing this all the time and and they get away with it because lewis bails them out if it's not putting him if it's not putting him on the wrong tire strategy it's making the wrong call at the wrong time like last week at barcelona red bull made that mistake right in front of them like they saw them make that mistake they could have pulled in Lewis immediately and it would have jumped him and they wouldn't have needed him to like do all of the whole quality laps for like 20 laps straight away to pass it. But no, like I said, they have strong head. They have coconut head. They don't just like that thing, man. And and the thing is, back in the days, it was easy when, you know, they had undoubtedly the fastest car, you know. They could do, they could do some bullshit and get away with it. But now, it's different. You know, there's a real competition, and everyone needs to be in the A game, including the guys at the pit, including the guys in the pit, including the strategy guys. And I felt for Bottas today because you know this is not the first time they've messed up his pit stop. This happened to him in the past, and you know, it was a good opportunity for him to sort of close the gap on what would be possibly the runaway leaders of the championship this season but nah it's like no we will not we're not gonna fix your we will not properly or oh, you're not even gonna get it off so you're just gonna retire like that's another minus 25 for him that's two minus two that's two like you know that's two races where he's not finished and possibly this one wasn't even anything it, it didn't do anything wrong all he did was just do a pit stop you know regular pit stop 2.1, 2.2 seconds stationary, but Mercedes were like, nah, we're going to ruin your race. But yeah, let me let me stop speaking about them because like, if I remember, it's just pissing me off more. So yeah. Yeah, yeah and that race, yeah, we're gonna that, that, TV, that TV director, yeah? Yeah, you need, they need to throw that man into, I hope he doesn't know how to swim. They need to chuck him into the swimming pool, let him just go drown because <laughs> how are you moving, how are you moving from like, the overtake was going to happen right there. And then you're coming over to Lance Stroll, who was going wide. Like, who the fuck cares about Lance Stroll, apart from Lawrence Stroll? Like, no one gives a shit about Lance Stroll. They need to see him exceeding track limits, man. That's what they thought. We want to see Stroll uh, exceeding track limits. I don't know why that was going on today. There was bare track limits being exceeded. And I have no idea why. On Monaco. You bloody got high high walls. I don't know what's happening there. Where everybody's exceeding track limits on turn ten. Um, some amateur hour stuff, but uh, we got through the race. We kept it. We kept awake and so on. And to talk about that, uh, that um, the the opposite. This this is the opposite of what Mercedes strategy was. This was fantastic strategy by Vettel and by Aston Martin this weekend. I think this race in Monte Carlo kind of exposes who's really on it when it comes to strategy and who isn't. And Mercedes was showing, the, they're showing the front today, man. They weren't playing about, they were, they were having a stinker, but Aston Martin kind of showed, okay, we might not have the best car, but we're, we're good on this strategy thing. And, and Vettel managed to get P5, all the way from P8. First points of the season, good points for the team. And uh, might be a little bit of a remontada. Um, Kunle, I'm going to come to you. What did you think of uh, Vettel's performance today and Aston Martin's performance? Um, you said it all, to be fair. They did good. I mean, again, to be honest, yeah, with Monaco, 
you're either going to finish where you start or you're going to get a few places if your strategy is right. And Aston Martin got the strategy right today. You know, they got it right with Vettel. They got it right with Stroll. I think Stroll got points. They got double points today, right? You know, they put Stroll... They put Stroll P8. along. Stroll. Yeah. I think Stroll, Stroll started um, P13 or something. P13 yeah. to P8 is a big jump in Monaco. Yeah. Very so that's a big jump. And, and you know, that wasn't really pace. It was more strategy. You know, they made him go long. He went extremely long at the start. And by the time the gaps opened up, you know, with people falling out in front, you know, when, when two people do not finish, that's, you know, for anyone that's starting P11, P10, P, P11, P12, P13, when you see two cars in front of you finishing, you just need one decent strategy and you're getting good points. And that's what they did. And, you know, shout out to shout out to them at Aston Martin this weekend. You know, they they did some good work and Seb, Seb did some good work too. He, he made the only pass of the race, basically, the only overtake of the race. He did it, you know. Basically, some heritage right there. I trained Gasly, like, yeah, I'm still about. And that was it. was in, you know, it drove a controlled race. I don't think it was under pressure at any point once he got ahead of Gasly. He wasn't, and it wasn't threatening whoever was in front of him either. That would have been Perez, you know. He wasn't making inways on Perez. He wasn't getting threatened from behind. So it was just a little stroll. In Monaco, waving at the waving at the boats, looking at the scenery, going in front of the casino like sixty times, and collecting the points. Nothing special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good, very good weekend overall for Aston Martin in terms of points as well. P eight and P five for Stroll and Vettel. I think they can go away happy with um, how the strategy worked and how the weekend worked, considering how bad the beginning of the season was for them. Um, but we're going to move on to Lando and Sainz. They reunited on the podium. Two different teammates, uh, ex-teammates, now driving for a Ferrari and McLaren. They stuck, they stuck it on um, P3 and P, P2, uh, respectively. And I think uh, it was a good weekend overall. Anik, what did you think of, first of all, Lando's drive? What did you think of the oh. weekend? Brilliant drive, man. I've been saying it from, from the start of the year. He's really been impressing me this year. He's showing really what, what he can do in that McLaren. Um, I think he's even staking a claim to be the number one driver as well. I mean, to get a podium there, um, to hold it, hold that nerve around that Monaco street circuit, brilliant. Um, very, very happy for, for Lando. Science as well, you know, P2. You know, he came in, what, well, he, he qualified P4, obviously. Um, he's, he's been showing a strong pace the whole weekend. I think even a couple of the sessions, he was quickest. So, yeah, really, really happy for them both. Um, yeah, lighting it up again. You know, the, the young blood is there. Um, they're, they're showing us what they're about. So, yeah, honestly, man, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. But I was, I, was, I was really impressed by both of their performances this weekend, especially Lando. Yeah, Lando keeps on putting it together on the weekends. He's 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 very he's Mr. Consistent, like we call him here, pit stop. He's always in and around the points. He's not playing games. He's always around the top five. He's doing what he needs to do for the team. He's kind of carrying them. But I don't know. As a McLaren fan, I don't know. His Aussie teammates looking a bit bit higgy right now. Looking a oh. bit nuts in oh. the midfield. It's, oh, he's looking nuts, uh, it's, it's concerning me. It's concerning me. It's concerning me. Richard. What did you think of Danny Rick's performance today, man? On oh, the whole weekend, the whole boy, it was absolute shambles, wasn't it? Someone said on um, the pit stop uh, Twitter account that he get knocked out of Q two, and I thought, nah, surely he won't get knocked out of Q two. And luckily, you know, he did because he was just he was just way off it, just completely off it. And then I think he qualified. Was it P fourteen? Was it P fourteen? No, where's where did he qualify? I can't remember. Was P fourteen? Yeah, somewhere bad anyway. So whatever. So P twelve. P twelve. Yeah, yeah. P twelve. So yeah, horrendous day, especially with you know, obviously with the golf livery and whatnot. And uh, yeah, and you just thought, okay, maybe he could, you know, with strategy and whatnot, maybe he could make up a few places somehow. And that wasn't really the case, especially when you know Lando overtook him and even waved him, waved at him. 
Like he, <laughs> I, I can't yeah, like, Lando, I'm, don't I'm <laughs> like he was just a yeah Lando, in a bit. Don't be waving. <laughs> like I think, but I think I'm I'm gonna try and be a bit you know conspiracy theorist. I think like that was like a psychological move, really. People will say, oh yeah, it's banter. Da, 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 da. I think that's a psychological move on uh, Danny Rick to say, look, I know you're on this amount this um, amount of pay. I know you know. You might think you're the number one driver, but look, this is my team. I'm ready to show you up, even on somewhere that is, you know, as tight as Monaco, you know, that sort of thing, really. Because, you know, it was, um, I think it was the Monaco press conference. They, one of the journalists asked a question on uh, Danny Rectolando to say, oh, um, why is he, like, struggling or something like that, whatever, whatever. And he basically just, you know, acted like he was getting interviewed by um, DJ Vlad. Just spilled out all the beans. Just basically said, yeah, uh, Danny Rick likes a car that's um, tailored to his driving style. If it's not, then he kind of like struggles on whatever, whatever sort of thing. Uh, I think that's that's why he's not doing as well as perform, basically. And yeah, that, that sort of thing. So I was like, oh, okay. I don't, I don't think that's really true. Yeah. No, I don't agree. I don't agree with you going in a press conference and outing out your teammates' driving style and saying, no, this is this is why Sainz is this and this is why Ricardo is that. Mm. You shouldn't really... You kind of have to just yeah. say, kind of like, answer the question, not, not really answer the question. I don't know where mm. his PR person was in that interview, but you shouldn't yeah. really talk like that or talk so openly about your teammate in a press that conference. Was, that was yeah. nasty. That was nasty. Yeah, do you know, do you know what it is? I think, with, I think with um, Lando, he... I think he's just a real, like, direct, honest guy. I think that's one. Sometimes I don't think he realizes where he's at, like, and you know how you know how people will analyze and whatnot. I think he just thought it was a nonchalant. Oh yeah, you know, Danny Rick likes a car that's tailored to him, you know, and science likes to be able to adapt sort of thing. I, I don't think he's really clicked on to something like that can be detrimental and almost undermine his teammates in a way. As I said, I don't know if it's like a psychological thing because. When McLaren signed Danny Rick and whatnot, there was all this hype behind him saying, Oh, yeah, they're going to be best mates, they're going to do loads of content, but Danny Rick's going to dunk all over Lando. And Lando's just meant to himself, oh, Okay, you just think I'm some sort of Twitch streamer, you know, you can't drive. All right, I'll, I'll show you Wagwan, basically. And look, he's got two podiums in five races already. Like, I think he's doubled his tally of podiums in five races, you know, more across like what he got in his whole career. Basically, oh, Danny Rick's, you know, round and round in 12th and, you know, struggling to get points and whatnot. So, yeah, as I said, it was, it was a great performance from Lando. He did what he needs to do, even if he did have, you know, and had two, two places that he didn't really have to work for. While, you know, Danny Rick, you know, he looks like he's still going to need more time. But when you see people like Carlos, the way he's adapting and whatnot, and even Vettel now, the way he, he's adapting as well, he's starting to get a groove on as well. He doesn't really want to be, you know, out to like the, the big boys, if you will, or the, the big team. He doesn't really want to be one of them. He's still struggling to get to grips with the car because, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just going to look peak for him, really, if he gets, you know, proper chance on by Nonis, really. If you want to hear, listeners, viewers, if you want to hear the saddest radio of the year, listen to when they told um, Ricardo that Norris is lapping him and he needs to move out of the way. It's one of the saddest things I've ever heard. I felt upset for him. Um, Ricardo, uh, hopefully it gets all better for him. Um, I know Conley just wants to dunk on Ricardo. He's itching. I know he's itching. Uh, you can't. You don't, you don't break him, broken man. You don't break him. <laughs> man, so. He sounds like a broken man. I feel, I feel but, bad. But, okay, okay, I mean, now everyone, everyone's starting to see it. I thought you might be saying, let's give him some time. But if I'm going to give, if I'm going to give him time, then... But I see, I see, I see Carlos Sainz in a Ferrari getting podiums in a slower car. You know, it's hard for me to give Ricardo time because I like Ricardo. Like I think he's a great, I think he's a brilliant driver. So I'm expecting, I'm expecting his brilliance to show up. This is the second time he's getting dunked on by Lando. Like I swear, this is the second time he's gonna get um lapped by Lando Norris. You know, it's a long season, but five races in, your teammate has lapped you twice. Bruh. It's not looking not nice. Look. It's not a good look. It's not looking good. 
Yeah. So, but but we're giving him time. You can you. Uh, I know you gave him to Monaco, right? <laughs> You've already given him the time. Yeah, man said he's done but already. He's already done. But yeah, here done, the rest of done, us we're giving him time. Oh my god! Him. No, no. Okay. To be fair, I'm gonna give him until. Uh, I'll Baku. give him three more races. I'll give him three more races. I don't know wherever that is. Okay. But after the next, Austria, Austria. Okay, yeah. After Austria, and it's still... Is it first Austria or second Austria? <laughs> it doesn't <Austria>. matter. <laughs> okay, do you know yeah, it doesn't first matter? One, first one. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. matter. If by second Austria is still getting these fugazi results, then, no, Danny Rick, might be, it might be time to shine that light bright. It's a fluorescent light, a white light. Not the blue one, not the, yeah. not the yellow one. It's a white one. All right, a spectacle in the in in the building. He's going to be checking on um, Ricardo. It's, it's Ricardo watch. We're going to make our own segment for him. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to move on to the race winner. I know a lot of people don't want to talk about him. A certain gentleman called Anik. I'm going to ask him though. I'm going to make him squirm a little bit. I'm going to be like, Anik, what did you think of Max Verstappen's race today and weekend? How did it go? Bro, the highlight of Max Verstappen's weekend was him swearing. For 10 seconds straight on the radio when he realised Leclerc pulled off a masterstroke. That was my highlight of the weekend with Max Verstappen. We move on to the next question now. <laughs> this, um, listeners, um, if this is the first no, time Anik has actually become a, a, a panellist and not the host, this man hates that. Max Verstappen. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. So I've got to do it. So, so, in, so in... In all seriousness, look, he, he had a clear track in front of him at the start. Of course. We saw what one... And I know Kunle referred to Vettel versus Gazi as an overtake. That was an overtake. That was just holding position when he came out of the pits. I mean, there was one overtake in the whole race. That, that was Mick Schumacher or Mazepin. So when Max Verstappen's, you know, routinely gets away, holds off Bottas, didn't take much effort to. And, you know, you just ride off into the distance, literally with what he'd done. Um, he managed to get the strategy right. Look, he won the race around the streets of Monaco. And as I said it already, with the cars that are much bigger this year, you only have a fine, fine margin of error. And when you're applying your trade, when you're applying your trade at the top of your game, you don't have any room for any error. So he's brought it home in P1. Strategy worked out fine for him. He knows himself. This is a routine race, race victory for him, especially when you start pole. I'm going to give him his flowers, but I'm not going to go above and beyond because he wasn't put under any pressure today. You know, the strategy, you know, Mercedes, I don't know what they were doing. They, they said that they were going to try something different with Hamilton. You were expecting something from Bottas. They didn't do that. He was under no pressure. He brought it home in P1. I'll give him his flowers, but I'm not going to go above and beyond today for Max. I, I, I hear you. You gave, you gave him flowers at least. You didn't, you didn't throw rocks at him. I appreciate you just giving even the smallest of kind words to Max Verstappen. He did what he needed to do. Look, if you're any driver of your soul, if you're on P1 on um, Monaco, you better win that race because who's going to overtake you? So he did what he needed to do. Got at home. Didn't make any mistakes. It's not crashed up. He didn't crash <laughs> for no reason. He just took it home and just did what he needed to do. Uh, 12th win in his career. Second win of the season. First time ever he's actually number one in the driver standings ever in his career. So um, I still think um, when Hamilton kicks into gear, he's just going to get number eight. It's not a worry. But uh, he's stamping his mark a little bit on F1 by getting a Monaco win. I know that's one of the ones that are sought after by most drivers to get that first Monaco win. And he's got that now. And I think just good performance overall by a Red Bull in terms of strategy. They've got P1, P4. Um, got from Perez from P8 all the way to P4. So the strategy worked. They needed what they need. They did what they needed to do, and now they're first in constructors as well. So alarm bells for Mercedes because I know Bottas. He might be the question mark for them later on down the line in the other races if Perez starts to kick into form as well. Um, I'll kind of move on. I, I know this ain't gonna be Annex driver today, but we put a poll out um, and um, for driver of the day because we kind of don't believe in the driver of the day, the fan vote. But this week, it actually married up. So we put a poll out. It was Max Verstappen, Seb Vettel, Antonio Giovinazzi, 
and Sergio Perez uh, with 41% of the vote. Seb Vettel won. Well-deserved. I think it is well-deserved to actually get in it on there. So we kind of agree with um, the actual fan vote. Um, Anik will never, ever vote for Max Verstappen. So I already know who you vote for <laughs> to be driver of the day. Um, but yeah, a big shout out to Antonio Giovinazzi. Good weekend, I think. Yeah, very good, very, very good weekend. Yeah, he made it to Q3. Um, I thought it, I thought it, right. What do you say, sorry, Colin? I voted for Giovinazzi. You voted for Giovinazzi. I think Giovinazzi did a good weekend. He got into Q3, got um, a point in the end, uh, beat his teammate Raikkonen. Uh, I think he's, 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 do you know what he's doing? He's fighting for his life, man. He's got he's got drivers down his neck take, trying yeah. to take his job. So he's was, fighting for his life right was, now. Um, was, was Raikkonen in that race? He was, he he was right, right behind him. He, he, yeah. Finished P11. Nobody, the camera never ever went to him. Same yeah. way the camera yeah. never ever goes to Latifi, but here we are. Yeah. Who is Latifi? <laughs> um, this is this is a running thing we do. Um, some of the members of Pit Stop Fracker do not acknowledge Latifi's existence in um, in Formula One, and neither do Mazepin. But Mazepin beat Mick Schumacher. That kind of brings us to the Mazepin Award of who had a mayor today, and. Uh, unsurprisingly, 65% Mercedes. So that is Mercedes strategy, Mercedes pit crew, the whole of Mercedes had a stinker this weekend. Um, with Leclerc and Ferrari, second place, Daniel Ricciardo, third, Mick Schumacher, fourth. Mick Schumacher, actually, we put him on there. People are thinking, why we put Mick Schumacher on there? He let Mazepin beat him. We need to have an inquest right now. Because yeah. Schumacher had in the mud. This this cannot be happening right now. This, we need Mazepin to finish every race last and we lost. We all took an L as a community. So, wait, I've got and, a question. So, I've got a question now. Go on. You know the way Monaco is like a, it's a, you know, it's a test of driver ability. Is this result like an indication that Mazepin might be a Better driver than Mick. Uh, just, I, I, I mean, not really. No, no, no. no, no. Really. He's smoking him every race. Mick is smoking him every race. So what happened today? If it, no, what if happened? there was opportunities to overtake Mick, would have had him in his race. I, 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 I literally have no idea how Mazepin overtook him or got ahead of him. It must have been through strategy because, from well, what Mick I saw, he didn't Mick overtake finished. him on track. It, Mick, it wasn't as one of the early laps. Um, it was last on. I can't remember the term. Mick started last because Mick started he, he caused five hundred thousand. He caused half a million pounds damage to his car in what was it qualifying or practice? That's why he started last because he couldn't qualify. And he overtook Mazepin. And he overtook Mazepin straight away. But in if you're overtaking anybody in Monte Carlo, I'm giving you, I'm giving you your flowers. I don't mm. care. I don't care if you're Mazepin. So. I, I, I definitely am not going to give him the L of the day. I think collectively yeah. we can all agree that it's Mercedes, right? Yeah, yeah, Mercedes. 100%. Yeah. And, 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 and as I alluded to earlier, they, they've stunk it up big time this weekend. And it's, it's, it's becoming a worrying occurrence as to how regular this is happening from Mercedes. It's very worrying. If they want to go ahead and show Red Bull that they should be second or third, they need to seriously buck their ideas up quick. Because they're really not covering themselves in glory at the moment. I'm being harsh on my guys at the moment. I have to be. Lewis was not happy on the radio. Anybody go listen to Lewis radios on YouTube. He was not happy with this at all. From the beginning, he was just fuming about it. Um, I'm going to, do you know what? I, I'll, I'll say Mercedes, but I'm going to give people a little bit of information, yeah? Um, who was with Leclerc this weekend? Was it not Netflix? That is the L of the weekend. Yeah. Because now next year when Drive to Survive comes out, all we're going to see is Leclerc having a stinker, crashing it into the wall and getting on pole. And then Monogasque, you can hate AKUHD. It was a masterstroke. It was a masterstroke until his team let him down. You can't blame Leclerc for that. One of the smallest violins in the world. We're going to smoke up. We're smoking on that Casino Royale pack this weekend. That Casino Royale pack getting a Visley, yeah? 
because I'm not I'm not thinking he's better than Max right now at all. Mm-mm, but mm-mm, uh, Alex, Alex, I, we, we want to put this in his own home, on. his own backyard, you know, in front of babes and boats. <laughs> Max, ne- Max has never done street. that. Boy, Max has never done can't, that. Can't can't drive down his own high street, man. But Anik 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 believes that he's going to win the World Drivers' Title before Max Verstappen. Yeah, you will. Good luck to you, mate. We'll bring you, you back. Uh, yeah, we're winning agendas. an legal engine. Yeah, of course you will. Yeah. <laughs> you moved the fuel flow meter just up a bit. You know what I mean? Tip more fuel and yeah, get another fifty or so. Of course. I mean, when Lewis is put on, you know, activating DRS, he still can't get past you. Of course, we can win the World Championship. Makes perfect sense. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll, 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 we'll see when these allegations about the Red Bull engine comes out. Then we'll see. We'll see. Okay. We'll pick it up then. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways. Thank you, everybody. That is, brings us to an end of Pit Stop Tracker this week. We'll catch you next week with another action-packed episode. Thank you, Richard, Conley, Anik. And we'll see you next week. Peace. 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 Uh, take care, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.